y'all make me really nervous clapping for that. <laughs> it's like, yes, that's what we've been talking about. That's what we're wanting. Yeah. So here's what we've been doing these past, uh, really today is the second week, but in the weeks to come, we're looking at a series that is called Burning Questions. And what we're doing is we're trying to define what this whole thing called church is, not a uh, not from our perspective, not from what your buddy next door thinks church ought to be, but uh, really from God's perspective. What is God's take on this thing called the church? And uh, what is it that, that God's word, the Bible tells us about this thing called the church? So we started a series called Burning Questions. And uh, if this is your first Sunday, it's not too late to get in, but we, we handed out cards a couple of weeks ago just uh, to kind of get your input. And, and what we've done is we've asked for folks to turn in questions, burning questions, meaning these are questions I've always wanted to ask, but I've never had had the courage to ask them, uh, and people know that it came from me. And so this is called Burning Questions, and it's all anonymous. And so we've had over, I'd say probably over 30, 30 cards that have been turned in, and uh, none of them have names on them. We've had a couple that have come in through our website as well, and they're burning questions about church. And so what I'm doing is each Sunday for these next few weeks, I'm trying to address the questions that are asked either more often or the ones maybe that are most applicable for us, and, uh, and sifting them through Scripture to see what, what the Bible has to say about it. And so really in a sense, you have a, you have a part to play. I mean, you have a word in this whole series because it's your questions that are laying the framework for the messages that we're looking at every Sunday. So if the message is bad, it's really kind of your fault because they were not good questions. So if you haven't turned in a question yet, you can do that out in the lobby. We've, we've still got cards. We've got a box. And, uh, and again, nobody will ever know it was you. And we don't have cameras stationed to see who asked which questions. So I hope you've turned some in if you haven't already. They've been great, great questions already. Well, last Sunday, we kicked this series off and uh, had some good questions that we looked at. But the, uh, really the whole, uh, the, I'd say the, the scope of what we looked at last Sunday was that it's the context of the local church, the whole concept of church that uh, teaches us to move from a mindset of me to a mindset of we. And uh, the, the church was really on God's heart from the very beginning. It's not just a New Testament thing. If you've studied the Bible or read the Bible much at all, uh, you may have an inclination to say, well, the church started in Acts chapter 2, which to a large degree it did. But really the concept of church was on God's heart. It was on God's mind long before Acts chapter 2 or the New Testament even came around. In fact, from the very beginning when God created, what we looked at last Sunday was that God created mankind not because he had a need. It's not as though God created for five days, right? And he created the sun and the moon and the stars and the, the land and the sea and the animals and the birds of the air. He didn't create all that and then get to day six and think, oh my goodness, what have I done? I've got all this stuff to take care of now. I need somebody to help. I'll just create man. That's not what God did. And so he didn't create us because he needed us. He didn't create us because he was lonely. <laughs> you know, God was just fine in eternity past before mankind was ever created. God created us as another vehicle by which to make his name great and to declare his glory. And, and the, 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 the birds of the air, the, the rocks, the, the, the nature itself screams of the glory of God. I mean, you cannot see a sunset. You cannot go to a place and see the ocean or a, or a majestic mountain range and not understand and, and, and at least have to grapple with the idea of whether or not there was a God behind this. And the Bible makes it very clear that there is a God behind all this. And so God created us to declare his majesty, declare his glory. He, de he, he created us to know him. And he did a really good job of it. And so whenever we look in scripture, as we looked at last Sunday, what we see is that it's that topic of church, the whole concept of church that teaches us to move from a mindset of it's all about me to a mindset of this is we collectively putting God on display 
through, through our lives. And so we unpacked a lot of that last Sunday. If you weren't here, uh, you can hear that message on our, on our website. You can access it there. And I really encourage you to listen to it because it's, it's the, really the, the groundwork. It's the foundation, as I mentioned last Sunday, that we're going to build this whole series on. That as we deal with questions and as we move through God's perspective in the Bible about this whole concept of church, we're going to keep coming back to that, to that very first message that says that it's the context of church, the local church, that teaches us to move from a mindset of me to mindset of we. And so today is going to be the second message in this burning question series on the topic of the church. But before we, before we dig in, let me just ask you, when you think about it, what exactly even is the local church? I mean, what, what is it? I mean, how do you even define a local church? What is it? What is its purpose? Um, is it even important? I mean, if this church closed its doors, for example, say next month, uh, would it make a difference? Because some would say, you know, there are another dozen churches on the island, you know, there are or, uh, you know, a couple of hundred churches probably in the city of Savannah. I mean, there are churches everywhere. I mean, for crying out loud, I can go on the internet and find a church to sit in and listen to the service, right? And, and so I can turn on a TV station and, and, in a sense, go to church. So does it even matter, this whole concept of a local church, does it even make a difference? And what we're going to look at today is an answer to that. What is the church and does it make a difference? Is it even important? Uh, and then next week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the threats to the local church. So I don't usually do two-part messages, but, but this is going to be one of them. I really, really encourage you to be back next Sunday. This message is not going to be complete until we finish it next Sunday, but I think today's going to give you a lot to chew on specifically as we uh, move through some of the questions. So thinking through, what is church? You know, when we look at this, this group of people here today, there are a wide variety of experiences in regards to church. For some of you, when you think of, of the church, the church was your biggest nightmare, really. I mean, some of you look back and think, you know, I've been out for 10 years. This is my first, you know, month or, or maybe my first week or maybe my first time back. I've been out a long time. And the reason, because I've done the church thing and it almost killed me. You know, people almost put me under because of my whole experience with church. And for some of you, you've had some real horror stories when you think of the context and the concept of the local church. For others, the church has been one of the biggest blessings in your life. And you look back and you, you say exactly the opposite. You say, how could I have ever made it through this season of my life? How could I have ever made it through that tragedy or through that illness or through that family uh, uh, relationship issue? How could I have made it through without the church being there for me? And so even in this building today, there are just a wide variety of ideas of what the church is. For some of you, uh, when you think of the church, you think of organs and you think of, of uh, kind of high church music and you think of formality. And uh, for others of you, when you think about church, you think about drums, and you think about lights, and you think about choirs. Uh, it just kind of depends on where you're coming from and what your experience has been. For some of you, you think church, and you think biggest show in town. You know, I've, I've been to churches, and it was just the biggest thing on Sunday morning, and you went, and it was like going to a production. And then others, you say, church, most boring thing I've ever been a part of. I'll go out to sleep every Sunday. I got my best sleep between 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock every Sunday morning. That's kind of what you think of. It, it depends on where you come from. It depends on what your background is. And everybody sees church as something different. For some of you, it's formality. That's what you're accustomed to. It's formality and it's uh, liturgical and it's reading and reading and reading. Others, well... I don't think there'd be any. Have you seen um, Snake Salvation on TV? Have you seen that show? Yeah, Snake Handling, the Snake Handling show. Some of you, maybe you're from the, that part of the country. And uh, if, if you're that, don't bring them. Uh, we don't do that here. <laughs> and I, I don't like snakes. But for some, probably not here, but for some that's been your mindset. It's, it's kind of the whole, you know, church is what we decided is going to be. 
No real ground rules. Yeah, we'll, we'll toss the Bible in where it's convenient, but really we're going to decide what church is. And we would never say it's about me or, 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 or it's you know, really to, to be tailored to my taste or my comfort or my desires. But to a large degree for a lot of people, really, gra- really gravitated away from what God says church should be. And so what I want us to look at this morning are a few questions that were turned in. And I'll I'll say this. This sounds like I pulled the rug out from under you. I'm I'm not going to answer these first few questions this morning. They're not really conducive to a whole message being built around them. I'm planning on um, having a blog, as I did for the last Burning Question series, and dealing with some of these questions there. But I just want you to get a little sense. I'm going somewhere with these first uh, three questions. Let's just take a look at some of the questions that were turned in recently. By the way, this is like a handwriting font. We're not putting your actual card, so you don't have to be afraid that we're going to put your card somebody recognize your handwriting and chase you down so it said the first question it says i missed the sunday night service uh could we have one sometimes when dive dive is a sunday evening thing that we do now small group bible studies could we have one sometimes when dive is not in session or maybe do both dive and a service now i don't know who wrote this and and, and i doubt they were going this direction but i'm just going to springboard off of this and say for some people church is about the services And the question is, did you go to church today? Did you go to the services today? That's really kind of the question. Or I went to church, meaning I went to a service. And for some, they think of church and that's what they think of. Look at the next one. It says, I know why we go to church on Sundays, not Saturdays, because of the New Testament, but why Sunday nights and Wednesday nights? When did that historically come into play? Is it just a Baptist thing? And why Sunday school groups? Those are great questions, and I will get to them down the road. But for some, they would say, well, church is all about the programs. It's about the events. It's about what's going on. And if there's nothing going on, then we didn't have church. And, and if, if, if there's a long enough span where nothing's going on, then the church is dying. It's, a, it's kind of equated to what takes place. That's how people define church. Look at the third question. It says, why so many separate churches all doing their own thing? That's just a great question. You know, why do you have all the, this collection of churches? You've got some down on this corner, and they may have one denominational tag, and then some on that corner, they've got another denominational tag. Then you've got others in this part of town. You've got all these different churches with all these different names. They all seem to be doing their own separate thing. They don't ever work together. You never really see them doing things together. There's never this one big collective push to say, let's reach our city. Uh, so what a great question. Why are all these churches just doing their own separate stuff? I mean, what is, what is going on with that? And again, it reinforces, we can take the, the question down, but it reinforces the, the, this question that begs to be answered. What is, what is church? I mean, what is the local church? And here's what I want to, want to present to you this morning. And we're going to trace it through Scripture and see. I want to present to you that, that church is a, is a combination of these four items. That church is a, is a bowl. Church is a heart. Church is a mirror. And church is a megaphone. And I want us to unpack some of that this morning as we look through Scripture, because all four of those things are extremely important. All four of them, let me say, are going to be a very challenge to this local church called First Baptist Church of the Islands, and I hope we'll be very quick to listen, very quick to trust what Scripture says, and equally very quick to respond, to find our, our part, really, in this whole mix so that we can be who God's called us to be. So let's look at these four things that God has called us to be specifically. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you didn't bring your Bible today, that's okay. We've got it on the overhead. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we've got them here. A lot of people give every week. We have resources to buy stuff, and some of those things we bought are Bibles. So if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. And uh, 
uh, and you can have it for next Sunday, but on the overhead, you'll see the first passage we'll look at this morning. What we're going to see here specifically is the context, uh, the concept that, that the local church really, to a degree, is a bowl. It's a bowl, uh, much like the one that I'm holding in my hands. The church is a bowl. So let's look at what Paul writes. Paul is writing to a local church here. And and here's what he says. It's the church in Corinth, actually. We've been going through this in a series. And so look at what he says in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, Paul, who is called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who've been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Now, here's what Paul's doing in that, in that passage. This is a letter. The book of 1 Corinthians is a letter. And you, you have it right there in your Bible. Uh, there, there, it's a long letter that Paul would have written. This is the beginning. You know, when you write a letter to someone, what do you say? You, you say, dear so-and-so, hope this message finds you doing well, and then off you go with your letter. Well, that, that's what Paul did 2,000 years ago. Uh, he's writing this letter to a, to a church in the city of Corinth. He introduces himself. He introduces another person who's there with him who's also a believer. And he says, verse 2, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. It's a very specific letter addressed to a specific group of people. And the reason that's highlighted there in yellow, the church, is because there is a specific Greek word that's used there that we translate the church, and it's the Greek word ekklesia. Now, for some of you, you're, you're theologians, right? And you study the Bible every day, and you even dig a little deeper, and you study the words that are used in the Bible. And for some of you, you're accustomed to that word ekklesia, and you know that it translates the church, Literally, it does not translate the church. Because in first century Greek culture, that word ekklesia literally meant an assembly. And it was more often used outside of the Bible, outside of a Christian context, to simply refer to a group of people that had gathered. It was a civic term, really, just like if our city has a group of people that gather together and there's this big community meeting, it would have been an assembly, it would have been an ekklesia. had nothing to do with church in Greek culture. What Paul did was, this is phenomenal, what Paul did when the Holy Spirit's inspiring him to write the Bible, and he's writing this letter to the group of people called uh, Christians in Corinth, he, he describes them as the church. It's that same Greek word. Are you with me? Ekklesia. It means an assembly. But what Paul did, he took that word and he dragged it, kicking and screaming, right, out of Greek culture, and he drops it right down into Christian culture. And you'll notice that because he says in verse 2, to the church, to the assembly, but it's a very specific assembly of God. And he takes this secular term, ecclesia, an assembly, and he gives it a Christian twist. And he says, this letter is to the church of God specifically that's gathered at Corinth. And then he describes them. He says, these are the ones who have been sanctified. In other words, they've been made holy. They've been redefined. These are the ones who are saints by calling. And if you'd have seen these people, if you'd have seen them, if you could drop you down in the first century and you'd have seen them, you would have said, they're just like me. Man, they got issues and they got struggles and they got problems at home and they don't get along with their boss and they got kids that are giving them a hard time. They are not perfect people. You would look at them and say, they're just like me. But what does Paul say? Paul says, no, no, this is the church. This is an assembly of people. This is an assembly of people who have been completely and totally and radically redefined. They are saints. They are, they've been sanctified. And what he is saying is, is that he said, this is a bowl full of people. This church, he says, this is a bowl full of people who have been radically redefined in who they are. They, they, are, a, they are a group of people that God has called to himself, they, that God has set apart. They are a collection 
And when you think about what a bowl does, that's all it does. It collects stuff. You've got these all over your house. Some of you collected cereal in one this morning, right? Some of you collect M&Ms and you've got it sitting on the countertop and you're refilling it probably more than you really should, but you keep refilling it. Some of you got peanuts in it. Some of you guys have got it in your workshop and you got nuts and bolts in there and you've got all kinds of different stuff. Some of you ladies have maybe some fresh fruit on a bowl and it's sitting on your table, but you've got a bowl. Some are more ordinary than this. Others are much more ornate than this, but this is, it's just a bowl. It's a collection. And what Paul is saying, this is the coolest thing. Paul says, when you look at the church, it is just a collection. It is a bowl full of people who are very, very unique. It's a bowl full of people who ha- whose lives have been completely and totally redefined. And some of them came from horrible backgrounds, and others came from wonderful backgrounds. Some came from families that were just so completely and totally dysfunctional, and others came from families that were the absolute Brady Bunch families of their, of their neighborhood. Some came from a lifestyle that they're still trying to forget. Others came from lifestyles that were really, really good. But what the church is, is a collection. It is a bowl full of people from a variety of educational backgrounds and geographical backgrounds and a variety of experiences. And what a church is at its core is it is a bowl full of a collection of redefined people based on their relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I write this letter to a collection of unique people, those that are sanctified, those who are saints by their calling. God has redefined them. Here's the cool thing for us. First Baptist of the Islands is not a place, it is a people. And we are a collection of redefined individuals. But let let me just present this. We're not just a collection. According to Scripture, the church, the local church, is also a community represented by by this heart. It's not just a collection of redefined people. The local church, according to Scripture, is also a community. Uh, You're you're familiar, right, with John 3.16. You probably heard that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him, trusts in him, places their faith in him, would never perish but have everlasting life. Probably every one of us have been accustomed to that verse. Some of you learned it early on. Others of you, you remember the guy with the uh, rainbow-colored hairdo at the football games that hold it up on a sign? Yeah, we've, we've been accustomed to that verse. Did you know that there's another verse that's equally as powerful? And it's 1 John 3, 16. Written by the same person, but further on in your Bible. Look at what it says. John says in 1 John three sixteen that we know love by this, that he, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Brethren is just kind of an older sounding term that means we lay down our lives for those of us who are in the bowl. We lay down our lives for those who have a common walk with Jesus Christ so that the church locally is not just a collection of redefined people to where we come on a Sunday morning and we do our little thing on a Sunday morning and then boom, we're out Monday through Saturday doing our own thing independently again. No, the church is a bowl full. It's a collection of a community of people. And this heart represents the simple fact that we are called by virtue of God's work in us because he redefined you. Listen, this is so important. We are called as a community of people to love and to nurture and to be there for one another. Did you know that over 50 times in the New Testament, over 50 times in the New Testament, we find language that's called the one another language, where the Bible tells us to do certain things for one another. And it's speaking to this bowl full of redefined people called the church. 
It says that we're to love one another. We're to nurture one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to support and to serve one another. We're to admonish one another. We're to forgive one another. And over 50 times in the New Testament, what the Bible paints a picture of is that simple fact that we are a bowl full of redefined people with a heart for one another. We are a bowl full of redefined people who are also a community. And here's what happens. Whenever you, whenever you talk to communities of people outside of a ministry and you go and you do those little man-on-the-street interviews and you ask them, hey, do you believe in church? Do you go to church? What was your problem or your issues with church? Here's what you'll often hear is that, oh, I tried that one time and I'm not ever doing it again. And it's not because the parking lot was peeling up or because the, 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 it was busting up. It's not because... The, Paint was peeling off the walls inside the, you know, the worship center. It's not because of any physical defect on the property. Typically for people, their issue is because the people who were supposed to be the bowl full of people committed to one another as a community were not a community. And it was every man for himself, every woman for herself. And there was a whole lot more me than there was we. Now, you've been in churches like that, some of you. You've been there where at the first sign of issue... Whenever there's a rumbling of any disagreement at all, it's every man for himself. Some of them out the door, never to return. Some of them saying, I'm out of here. I'm not ever coming back to this place. Others that are just going to throw fuel on the fire. They're going to add to the mix. And they're going to be divisive because they've got an idea. They've got a point. And they're going to press that point. And they don't care what the Bible says. They don't care what, what anybody else thinks. They're just going to press their point. Some of you have been in those kind of places. And there's been very little community. And I'll say this. It's real easy to preach a message like this in this church where God's blessed us with unity. I'm so thankful that I'm not compelled to preach a message like this. This is going to be a hard message, I'm telling you. And it's going to finish that way next Sunday. Uh, but, but I'm glad I get to preach a message like this that talks about hearts and nurturing and being together and being unified whenever things are good and not bad. You know, for, for a long time now, God's blessed us. Things have been really, really good. I've been here 11 years. I don't have any experience of any any difficulties really here in regards to our union? I really don't. It's not because of me. It's a miracle that it's not because of me, you know, that, that I didn't throw fuel in the fire and mess stuff up already by now. It's all by God's grace. So things are going really good. But I'm telling you, if the enemy wants to disrupt the work of God, you know where he strikes? It's typically not in regards to doctrinal truth. It's in the hearts of the people who are part of that bowl full of redefined individuals. And where he does his most divisive work is in the hearts of people. And I'm telling you, man, I, I'm just going to say this. We, we are healthy today, but we've got a long way to go to be able to care for one another and to nurture one another the way that this book speaks of us doing. And it's not hard work. It's just called love. And what John said in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, is that our love for one another, you can chew on this later, you may disagree, but our love for one another based on 1 John 3, 16, let, let's bring that one back up again if we can. Our love for one another should almost mimic our love for Jesus Christ himself. Well, Brooks, I, well, we're supposed to love Jesus supremely. Completely agreed. But according to this verse, there's not a whole lot of separation between my love for every single person in this church family and my love for Jesus, there's just not a whole lot of separation because what this verse says is that my love for my Savior is going to be demonstrated by my willingness to lay down my life for other people. There's not a whole lot of gap between those two. And so whenever we look at this concept of what church is, it may seem a little silly, but to me... Simple-minded, the church is a bowl full of redefined people. 
filled with those people that are part of a community who love one another, nurture one another, pray for one another, support one another, encourage one another, and forgive one another. There's a third picture, I believe, that we see in Scripture of the church. And it's a picture of a mirror. I could really do some damage to some of you if I get this light. This room. So I'm not going to set this up facing out because there will be someone that will be in need of laser surgery by the time it's over. But what is the function of a mirror? What's the, what's the function of, 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 of something like that? It's to reflect. You know what a mirror is that doesn't reflect? A window. <laughs> it's just another window. But when you wake up in the morning and you're getting ready for church and you're getting all your, your hair in place and you're getting all your stuff going on and you're going to attack the world with a beautiful smile, right? And you're getting all ready. Before you go out, what do you do? You take another look in the mirror. And you're not looking out to see if it's sunny. There's windows for that. You're not looking out to see if it's raining or not. You're looking in the mirror for one express reason, and that is to see a reflection so that you might adapt as needed. You know what I'm saying? And whenever we look at the concept of church, here is a primary purpose of the church. Some would say, oh, church is a place where we have fellowship. That is important. It's not the primary purpose. It's not all about us. But the function of the church we're going to see here laid out in the book of Ephesians. Notice what it says here specifically. This is an interesting passage of Scripture. It gets a little bit difficult to follow, but I'm going to highlight the part that I want you to focus on. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8 and reading down through verse 11. It says, to me, Paul is writing again. He says, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Here's what Paul's saying. Let me summarize that block of Scripture. Paul is saying, I have been appointed by God to bring to you the greatest message that's ever been proclaimed. Not everyone understood it in days past, but today it's very clear. Jesus came, he died, he rose. You need him because of your sin, and he's willing to forgive you. If you'll call on him, and if you'll follow him, place your faith in him. That, that's what Paul's saying. I've been called to proclaim that message. Look now at the next verse, next slide. He says, here's why God has called me to do this. So that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. How? What is the vehicle? Through the church. To the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is Paul saying? In my simple mind, Paul is saying when you look at the concept of church, it is a mirror. It is a mirror to reflect and to point out to and to show and to demonstrate and to manifest to everyone outside of the body of Christ what God looks like. And the reason that there are so many, again, so many issues with people who do not know God, they do not have a relationship with Christ, it's not because they're mean, wicked, nasty people. Yes, we're all in need of a Savior. Yes, we all have sin in our lives and we need forgiveness. But by and large, I believe for a lot of folks that don't trust Christ, it's because they say, I know people who claim to have a relationship with Him and I don't want to be like them. You know, I was just hanging out at the bar with a guy who claims to know Jesus and God's changed his life and he was stumbling to his car last I saw him. I don't want to be a part of that. I want something better. I can do that on my own. Hey, I just got ripped off by a business partner just last week who says he's always going to church, says he has a relationship with God. If that's the best God can do for you, you know what? If that's the reflection I see of him, I think I'll just try it on my own. Thank you very much. 
And the reason, to a large degree, that people have not been reached with the gospel is because they, they know too many Christians. Let's just be honest. They just know too many Christians. And the reflection that they see in their lives where they say and do one thing on a Sunday and the rest of the week, through the weekend, they're doing their own thing, just raises a bunch of doubts and questions and confusion because the reflection is not pure and it's not accurate. What do you do with a mirror that doesn't give you an accurate reflection of yourself? You get rid of it. It's amazing that God hasn't gotten rid of the primary vehicle, the church, that he's put in place to be the accurate reflection of himself to this world. It says it right there. God has done all of this through the gospel so that his wisdom, his qualities might be made known through this vehicle called the church. Not the place. I'm not saying it's the place. The church is this bowl full of redefined people who have a heart for one another, who live lives that put him on display accurately so that others might know him as well. And then there's a fourth picture. It's a picture of a megaphone. Wake up. Somebody asked me, what are you doing with the megaphone? I said, I'm going to wake up people who fall asleep while I'm preaching. Wake up, 13th row. <laughs> Eight seat in. <laughs> that could work. <laughs> I kind of like that. Wake up. It's a megaphone. Church is a megaphone. You've probably never thought about it that way. But it is. It, theologian you might not be familiar with his name his name's francis schaefer <clears throat> he made a comment that the church is god's final apologetic to a skeptical world an apologetic is a compelling argument for in other words god has already sent the savior jesus he's already written the bible all 66 books of it it is now the church It's now the church that is his final compelling argument for a skeptical world. And where the church does not reflect him accurately, where the church does not understand our call to be a community, that's where we miss the opportunity to be a part of the greatest work that's ever been implemented in the lives of people. And that is to win people to a relationship with God. Whenever we look at these four items, I think it becomes very clear as we sift them through Scripture that this church, First Baptist of the Islands, is a bowl full of people with a lot of different backgrounds that make up what we call the church. We have a compelling argument that we bind our lives together as a community, that we care for, love, nourish, nurture, encourage, admonish, correct one another so that we might be who God has called us to be while at the same time living lives that accurately reflect Christ so that those around us might see Him accurately as we speak and share in words and in deeds the message of the gospel as the megaphone of God Himself in a community. They might come to know Him as we know Him. It's not a place, is it? If church is your mindset, if that's your grid of what church is, it's a place. You need to just bundle that up and kick it to the curb because it's not a place. Church is people. It's not about you and not about me. It's a lot of we. 
as we answer the call that God has placed in our lives. And I will say that for us as a collection of people that God has redefined, a collection of people that God has chosen to call to himself, what I find is, is that perhaps the greatest, one of the greatest threats that we face, and we'll look at this more next week, is our misunderstanding of who God has made us. And I want to challenge you in these weeks to come, starting today, to completely reorganize and redefine what church is to you, that you have a place, that you have a part to play, and it's not a part that's on the sidelines looking in as everything unfolds. It is to find your place to be a part of the grand story that God has been unfolding for centuries as he draws people to himself through you. There's a simple statement that I want to make. It's a principle we're going to look at this morning, and we're done, and we're going to unpack it a little more next week. But the principle is this, that the local church is simply a balance of insiders that are pursuing outsiders. Now, I understand for some of you, you say insiders are trying to get away from that mentality. I know it. It's not insiders isolated from outside. No, we're insiders because God has filled the bowl with people that he's redefined. You can't get away from that concept. We are different because of Christ in us. But it's not just about us being comfortable and being happy and having our backs padded every single week. It is about getting out, beating the bushes, putting Christ on display, doing the hard work of forgiving and living a life that honors God so that those who don't know him, who are on the outside looking in, will be compelled to know him as you do. Hey, if you've never trusted him, there's no better time than today to make the greatest decision you'll ever make, and that's to turn from your sin and to invite Jesus Christ himself, who's already died in your place, to forgive you, to make you right with God, and to take over your life. He'll do it, and he'll put you on a program. He'll put you on a, in a ministry. He'll put you to work to make his name great and to see work that'll be done that'll change forever. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word that teaches us in easy to understand ways of exactly who you've made us. Lord, I know we've looked at just four simple object lessons today, but really I truly feel they, they find their, their heart in scripture. Lord, that we as a church we're not called to be just a, a, just a collection of people, Lord, who live our own independent lives and we, we move on from this place until next Sunday morning doing whatever we want, however we want. No, Lord, we are, we are a community. And, Lord, we're going to see people through the course of this week. We're going to see people that are part of our number that are struggling and that are hurting. We know of others that may not even be here right now, but they have a relationship with you and they're part of this church family and they're hurting and they're struggling or they're scraping to make ends meet. Or they're facing difficulties in their life. And Lord, we can't afford to wait to next Sunday to hope to see them again. Lord, we are called by you to be a community who loves and nurtures and cares for one another. And I pray that increasingly over time, you will make that happen here in this ministry, this group of people called First Baptist of the Islands. Lord, we are called to put you on display, not in a way, or not in a way that creates confusion. Lord, may I never live in a way outside of, of the times when we meet collectively as a church, may I never live in a way that creates confusion in people, questioning what I say up against what I do. Lord, I pray that increasingly you'd grow me in maturity. And every one of us as well, God, that we would be willing to, uh, to lay our pride down 
And Lord, there may be things that we may want to do that in our flesh we would, all of our friends are doing, and, and, and yet it's just going to cause other people to stumble. It's going to cause them to question not only our faith, but, but the reality of your work in a person's life. Lord, may we be mature enough to just put those things aside. There are things that we cannot afford to do and expect to reach people. And Lord, there are things that we could engage in that I could go out and do later on today. And Lord, it would bring reproach upon the name of Christ. It would bring reproach upon this church family. And it would, it would, it would cause damage that would take perhaps years to undo in the minds and the hearts of people. And Lord, there is no difference between me and any other person who has a relationship with you. Lord, this is, this is big stuff. And Lord, the stakes are extremely high. And this world is looking for a reason to doubt you and to question you. Lord, may we not be another reason for that to happen. But help us to live lives, God, that honor you, that glorify you, that are a clear and accurate representation of Jesus Christ who loves without boundaries, who gave even to the fullest of his own life for others. And Lord, may we have boldness. Give us boldness, I pray, that we won't just talk about things that, that are of such a peripheral, secondary nature. May we, may we be willing and bold to talk about things that will make a difference forever. Lord, to bring you into our conversations, to give you credit for the ways that you bless us. May we give you credit in the eyes of others, Lord, whenever you give us strength in the midst of difficult times in our lives. And may we be faithful to share the message of the gospel that has changed us. Lord, it's changed us. That you took our place, Lord Jesus. And you took the punishment we deserve for our sin. And you forgave us and you set us free. All because we repented and placed our faith in you. And so, God, we want, to be, we want to reach these islands for you. We want to make a dent in this city. We want people to know who you are, starting today. And so, God, bless the decisions we have to make, even this morning, to be that kind of people. And for those that don't know you, oh, God, give them the courage right where they sit to call on Christ this morning, to forgive them, and to take over their lives. So bless these decisions we make. They're big ones. We don't want to miss it. And so guide us and may we be found faithful to follow. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.